revelations that you have when you go from being a short-term visitor to somebody that is a long-term resident in a country. Mm, um, it's good that's good to say it too. A big, that's a big shift in your thinking. Welcome in. Hope you're doing well. This is your host, Wesley Humes. Remember, June 3rd, if you are listening to this, thank you so much for choosing Confer Community Church to be a part of your day. If you get something out of it, be a friend, tell a friend. Really helps us out as a show, being able to uh, put out new content. We try to do different interviews, different styles. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, or you are interested in being on the podcast, please email me at Wes at conifercc.org. Love to connect with you. Love to be a part of your day. All right, here we go. Let's get into it. Today's guest, the great and powerful Dave and Beth. Hello, welcome to the Conifer Community Church Podcast. I am your host for today, Wesley Hughes. David, Beth, how are we doing? Welcome in the great and powerful. Here we go. All right. Thank you. Yeah, we're doing doing well. Good morning, Wes. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Oh, it is a beautiful day. Guys, I don't know about you. I know we're going to get to talk about missions and all the other things, but let's just be excited that it's June and that there is no more snow at this moment. The day of our Lord, June 20 or no, <laughs> June 3rd, the day of our Lord. Um, all right. But yeah, so welcome. Gorgeous. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. It is truly an honor. Um, so what do you guys do? Like, um, I always like to kind of start, start off by letting you guys have a minute to explain what you do, who you are. Um, so yeah, give us the elevator speech of who you guys are. Okay. Um, yeah, we're Dave and Beth Roberts. We have three kids, 13, eight and five. Uh, Zane, Isabel, and Sophia, and our family has served overseas as missionaries through uh, uh, Converge, is the name of our missions organization. Uh, for We've been in this process for 12 years, but eight years overseas um, in Argentina, and we've worked in church planting and addictions recovery ministry as our primary ministries, and that's that's pretty much what we do um, when we when there's not a pandemic. oh my goodness so i guess a a a basic question for me as the you know kind of as we're co-hosting together and as we're doing this thing and for people at home i think i've always had the question of like why missions like what what got you guys this heart to especially you guys as a couple like Mm -hmm. if i'm doing the math correctly you had one child uh at the time Mm -hmm. and either beth you were either pregnant or bringing you know or about to become pregnant or had the child as you guys were kind of going on to the mission field uh down in argentina and like yeah how did how did that kind of manifest itself in your guys's life yeah well it started with beth uh you know before it did me so you you can answer that one so we dave and i have very parallel testimonies where we were both in christian homes got saved um, with our fathers at five years old, we both went to Bible camps in the summer mm. and both at the age of 13, specifically in me, I felt a calling into missions where oh, God sick. was asking me to go and to make every decision after that, according to going on the mission field and being part of cross-cultural missions. And so I did that as a teen and in, in high school and in college, I did lots of short-term trips 
And that was, that was definitely my heart the whole time. I went and got an elementary education degree and I wanted to pay that off. Um, all my loans so I can go as a single debt-free missionary overseas. And in that process, um, I met David, uh, who also had a calling at 13. Right. I, for me, it was more feeling called to ministry. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that took place when I was young, that I really felt that God was calling me to that and, and kind of and committed to that. But I'd really kind of stepped away and kind of, you know, for a number of years, kind of, ignored that calling and just went in a different direction. Um, not necessarily rejecting God. Um, I was, you know, still in, in communion yeah. with him. But um, when we, when we met, Beth was really about missions and focused on this is where I want to go in my future. And so that was something that we had to say, okay, you know, are we going to pursue this together? And, and that's where God really opened my heart mm-hmm. as we started to pursue that as a married couple and, um, get exposure to different missionary work overseas and uh, and then to go on some short-term trips. Yeah. Right. Even on top of that, like before, when David told me he was interested in dating, I was like, mm, like <laughs> there's this battery of tests and questions that I have because this is my end game. Like I'm nothing yeah. to get in between that. And I just knew he was a man of God that was running after God mm-hmm. and God would speak to him and change his heart. So from a woman who, you know, saw someone who loved the Lord, but necessarily wasn't passionate about missions. I got to see God transform his heart and then then be okay to date him and marry him. And, you know, and then just how God brought that all together in the first five years before we had kids when we were married. So that was really precious to see God work in his heart. Yeah. So Beth, one thing I want to actually kind of focus on you for a second is you said at 13, you had this call into missions and I'm the youth pastor at our church. And so what would you say to a, cause I would put you at like ninth grade, eighth grade, mm-hmm. uh, time frame. What would you say to kids that are experiencing this? Like, Hey, we think we're supposed to do this. We're having that. And then like, how do we manifest whether we actually want to do that even yeah. as a young, young person? Yeah, I think, I think the first thing is, is trust, trust that God can speak to you and that he does speak to you. He speaks to you through his word and he speaks to you through, through, um, just your mind in the sense of receiving during worship time. That's when it actually yeah. happens for me and during altar time and that trust that God can speak to you. And when, and if he does start testing that, like go to scripture and guess what? It's all over scripture from the beginning yeah. to the end that you're not going to be disobeying. If you go for the great commission, like that is the end game. That's the yeah. whole purpose of being a Christ follower. And so start testing the waters. And I did that. I start going on mission trips with my youth group. And then I went with other mission, like youth groups and with other mission teams. And so I was doing one every summer and sometimes up over spring break. And so like just more and more that you pursue it and take a step forward of obedience, like God just ignites more and more of that fire and that passion inside of you and affirms the calling in college. Actually, I did my student teaching in Nairobi, Kenya, and it was really shut up. Yeah, it shut was- up. It was three months of like, okay, this was good, but maybe my calling is over. Like maybe yeah. at 13, this is what God called me to do. And, and I can see how being a single woman is difficult in Africa. Right. And so maybe yeah. this isn't it. And so it was, there was like a lull period after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, the, then we jumped into our church as well. 
and got on the missions team and it just revved back up. It's like, no, no, it's not over. It's not over. And that's also when God brought David into my life, knowing I wasn't going to be a single missionary anymore as well. So trust God speaking into your life and then just take steps of obedience to, to move forward. And he's going to guide that as long as you're pursuing him and being obedient in that. Yeah. And David, kind of shifting over to you. Yeah. How was that? Like, if you could go back to when you, when did you guys meet? How old were you? We, the first time we met, uh, 20, 21. Yeah. 21 or yeah. Early twenties. So go back to early. That's in college. Yeah. I think it was, I think I was 22. Yeah. doesn't matter. I think we're seniors in college. And you're 22. You know, everything because we all know Uh, when we were 22, we, gosh, we owned the world and it was our oyster. We were ready to go. Yeah. How was that to start dating somebody who was, um, you felt and saw that call in her life right? and then like empowering her and being with her, but also realizing like, Hey, this isn't just starting a nonprofit. This isn't staying stateside. Like this is like a full cannonball headfirst dive into the deep end of the pool. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like an ultimatum or anything. And it was, okay. it was really more of a, I think Beth knew that I was open to where God was going to lead us. Mm-hmm. And so as he brought us together, it became a matter of how do we pursue this together? And yeah. so he doesn't call one of us, you know, he's going to call both of us. And so as Beth, you know, mentioned for anybody that's young, you know, there's this process of just, um, you know, testing and proving what God's will is, you know, Romans 12, two talks about that. Um, and so doing that together was, was a process, a year-long process, not year-long, several years. And so that was something that we explored together. And so it always felt like, you know, we were, we were just doing it together and that there wasn't any, there wasn't any concern, I don't think, hmm. because we were, you know, we were unified in, in doing that. Um, it was really like, okay, God's going to direct us. And, um, and so I think in a sense, I don't know if we were naive, but just kind of confident in that that, you know, if we're in a good relationship with each other and with God, he'll, you know, he'll direct our steps and he, he has. Yeah. And I think that's one of the cool parts of like seeing married couples do that together of like, Hey, we are humble, but also confident in the Lord and sure. what he's going sure. to provide for us. I love yeah. the way you said that. Yeah. That's so cool. So yeah. Like, so you guys are starting to date, you're getting married, your first five years of marriage is like trying to figure all of that out, which, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming you guys like clearing debt, selling things, getting ready right. to do your masters, the, finish a masters, you know, maybe go to the zoo and see a peacock who knows. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, what, what made you like zero in on Argentina? Like, tell me if you guys are able or whatever you can remember yeah, yeah. of that yes. process. Right. So what, what happened with us is we, we found a church right before we were married in 2003. Okay. And as we became members in the church and got plugged in, uh, we started working uh, with their, their missions, missions committee, which was, um, all for the most part, elderly people that um, just served in connecting with and and supporting the missionaries, loving the missionaries uh, that they the church partnered with overseas. Mm. And so as we did that, we had every time a missionary family would come through, we'd have meals with them, we'd get to know them, yeah. and we and and being the only young people on that on you know in that group. 
you know, we started to encourage uh, short-term missions. And so we led and, uh, you know, we, we led and went on several short-term mission trips with the church. And one of those was to Argentina. We'd met a, a couple that our church was supporting in Argentina. And we, we uh, decided to go on a two-week trip there. And so while we were there, um, there's a number of things that happened. Um, our church began to, you know, fell in love with a couple that was doing a um, kind of a uh, community project, um, providing meals for, for children in a low-income area, doing educational. Uh, so is that, is that in Argentina or is that back here stateside? That's in Argentina. So we okay. went on this trip to Argentina and, yeah. uh, and and so we were serving in that project. Our church got more involved. And then for us, um, we really connected with the people there. And okay. it began as, hey, somebody said, hey, why don't you pray about going for a year? And that year in this process became career missionaries. Um, <laughs> kind of <laughs> quickly. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, Beth, yeah. go ahead. Well, we're like, we'll sell our house or like rent it out or something for a year. And when you really start getting into the process of raising funds to do all of that and put your life on hold in the States, you're like, one year is not nearly enough. Like you need mm. to dive in and go deep. Yeah. And so we did that and we ended up, you know, raising the funds on the front end to be able to go career, even if it was only going to be a four-year term, like at yeah. least set and we've done the hard work on the front end. Right. But I remember in Argentina on that, our first trip, just looking at David and saying, do you feel like we could really fit into this culture? Like yeah. this culture just feels like a good fit for yeah. us mm. and just really fell in love with the people. So that's kind of why Argentina. Yeah. So what do you mean by the culture? So like, is this the difference between like, I grew up in the South and I've lived in Washington, loved Washington. Coffee was incredible. <laughs> Weather was awful. Could not yeah. handle it. Yeah. And so that's kind of what led me. Uh, right. Come on, somebody. Uh, <laughs> I love it. But yeah, like how, like, what do you mean by the culture? Was it, was it food? Was it like, yeah, what does that mean to, to you? Right, it was, I mean, there's a lot of things we enjoy, you know, but I think more than anything, it was um, a love for the people. And as we, we got to know um, our, the Argentine people, got to interact with them, minister with them. Um, there was something, there's just something about the culture and the way that we, we seem to connect um, there's a there's an openness, but it's very different than a lot of Latin America. Um, Argentina's really made up of uh, of immigrants, uh, Spanish, Italian immigrants, okay. and something about that mix of cultures um, was something that we really connected with. Um, a, a much more laid back pace. Um, I think yeah. very thoughtful, yeah. thoughtful people. Um, and very, but very relational. Yeah. Um, so they're a warm culture. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of warm and cold cultures, but warm no. is. Explain that to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so warm culture is just where you, they're very friendly. They go out of, they will cross the street to go talk to a friend if they see one. Oh, come on. Or they would just head down, keep going. Oh my gosh, I see someone. We have some friends in Estonia and they don't even talk to the people in the grocery store that they know. It's kind of like head down, just do my business, mm. you know, and it's colder in that sense. So loved yeah. the warm culture. They have something called mate, which is a type of tea that you see yes. for hours with your friends and you just share your mate and you just yeah. talk and you hang out. There is no end time ever to hang yeah. out with people. Yeah. And um, so on, on the mate front, a friend of mine was actually a missionary in Argentina for a year 
and we I, it was my first week in seminary ever uh when i first yeah. came here we became friends and we literally sat around watch college football and for those of you who are listening and don't know what mate is it is one bowl with a thing of like a, a container of hot water this is the way he did it and you mm-hmm. pass the bowl around and in a covid time probably not the best idea because you're sharing the same straw right. but instead of it's a very communal Absolutely. Uh, environment for those of you who don't know what that is it's it's so much fun it's kind of gross at the beginning but you really learn to love it yeah. you really do yeah. and that became right. our our saturday tradition is we would uh before a beverage was taken in it might be alcoholic it might just be tea who knows um we would sit around and watch the 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock kickoffs here and drink mate together so yeah, sorry. i, I just, love it yeah, i love fun it iteration mm-hmm. of what mate is and something yeah. that i've tried to get going here but covid's like ha, you're funny <laughs> i mean i would say like a typical a typical argentine hangout would be we're going to go to a park on a saturday afternoon and we're gonna we're gonna bring our our bag that has our mate kit and I'm going to wear a poncho and I'm going to play guitar while we drink mate and just hang out for hours with no agenda. So Come on, somebody. That's, awesome. that's so stereotypical. Um, I never wore a poncho. But, nor uh, played the guitar. Nor played the guitar. I drank mate. What's that? Like, yeah. Hey, one out of three ain't bad. That's a good no, day at the baseball you know. park. I know Argentina's a soccer play or a soccer country and nation. Yeah. But that's a good day at the ballpark if we're here in the yeah, States. Yeah. One for three, yeah, not bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh you know, that's a huge part of the culture. And, and as well as the food, like, I'm not going to lie. I didn't want to go to mm-hmm. Japan. And I hate, like, like raw fish and fish yeah. in general. And so, like, and Asian cuisine. like, I would have really needed to be like, let's go back, you know. But I was so thankful. I do really love all the food mm-hmm. in Argentina, the late nights and the siesta time. So like when we talk about how we fell in love with the culture, yes, it's the people, but also the rhythm of the culture and the laid backness and oh, okay. uh, the relational warmth of the, yeah. the culture as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, so on the one hand, we had this, this connection that we felt and, you know, kind of an, an affinity to the people. And on the other hand, there was in, in the North where our mission was working, they were, they were doing church planning um, and they were trying to target populations that, um, had a smaller percentage of evangelicals. And so mm-hmm. there was this there was this need where they'd focused on, you know, need for church planning, um, you know, reaching people for Christ and discipleship um, with the people that we'd fallen in love with. And so what, what kind of really clinched it for us is, hey, there's missionaries doing this work. We want to learn. Let's go and just serve with them yeah, and, and, and learn that way. Well, I think that's a super cool segue, and I'm glad the Holy Spirit is in this conversation because I was actually going to ask you, how do you guys balance your short-term mission time? Like, Because when I think, especially I'm coming from the youth sense, where it's like, hey, we haven't found the right place for our community to do a mission work because I'm not the same. Like, hey, we're going to go to Mexico. We're going to paint the same house the same color for the third straight week. Uh, But how do you guys balance those like short-term mission trips versus long-term mission care and how do you join the two yeah um so so with that question you're asking how we now as as career missionaries how we blend that together how do we coordinate that um you know i think i think that's one of the you know the big revelations that you have when you go from being a short-term visitor 
to somebody that is a long-term resident in a country. Um, it's good that's to say it too. It's a big, that's a big shift in your thinking and Americans love to do things and produce. And so anybody can do that for two weeks. Nobody can do that for two years, um, you know, yeah. decade, you know, straight. And so, you know, you learn all these things about what it's like to live there full time. And also you get past that honeymoon, honeymoon stage of, uh, you know, I, oh, I love this country and the culture and everything's great. And, and then yeah. you start to see that, you know, the blemishes and the warts and, and, oh man, there, there's, there's a downside to this. Isn't the perfect place. <laughs> um, and so, so the point that I'm making is then you see a team short-term team coming in and you realize all the things that might not always be as, as helpful mm. or, um, you know, as, as great as you once thought because you've been there longer and you've seen the impact over time. So what we've really done is we've tried to design, you know, when a team's coming in um, from, from a church is try to figure out what is truly mutually beneficial. You know, let's not just make the, the Americans feel good. What is, what is truly beneficial for the church and the ministry here um, where people can plug in and try to tell the, the church and that team on the front side, because sometimes they don't need the, uh, you know, the, the physical labor, yeah. um, you know, sometimes that's not a need. And sometimes that could even take away from uh, work people that actually are looking for work. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there, there's just questions that, you know, questions to ask and think through. So we try to do that with the teams that come in and tell them up front and say, Hey, maybe we don't need, people to paint, but, you know, we need people to come and just work with kids and, and love mm. them. And we're going to do outreach that way. Yeah. Um, and I, I also knew of some ministry organizations, uh, that I did camp through that just yeah. did missions, like literally like VBSs for missionaries, kids so that yeah, they could yeah. have a gathering. Yeah. They would come to a certain area and invite all the missionary kids just to come. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have to be MKs or missionary kids for, you know, a week. They could just be, kids yeah be loved on that, that's so true and and really what we've learned is that you get there there's so many the u.s thinks there's like a few ways to do short-term missions there are okay. so many outside of the box ways that bless right. people like i've even just encouraged like couples that are kind of playing playing with missions and thinking oh this is an idea come down and visit us just right. you and your husband pray for us go on prayer walks encourage us learn how we cook um watch our kids while we go on a date night talk and you know get get a feel for this and yeah. love us as well because it's yeah. it's exhausting and taxing and so part of people coming down and loving on us gives builds us up and refreshes mm. us to be able to be the long-term influence there, you know? So that's just one way of a million different ways. Like we would love to have gap years for high schoolers going in before they go to college. Come on down. Yeah. If you're interested right. in missions, live with us, help me homeschool my kids, go out into the community and do um, what crew is doing down there. Or it's not crew. Who is it? Down what they're doing take a gap year and really test the waters to see if this is what god is asking right. you to do then go home get your degree come on back and be on the field yeah. so there's so many different ways that it can look and i think that's what so really cool. is what that's really hitting at is is just having the big picture that's that's is is realizing short term team comes for a short period but having a big picture you know not thinking beyond 
you know, just that trip, what can it accomplish? But thinking, you know, what can be accomplished for the kingdom um, and the impact that can happen relationally. And then also the people that come that might be stirred up for missions um, either overseas or just getting their church excited for missions. Um, I think are both incredibly valuable. And at the same time, if I didn't have those short-term trips in high school and in college, like yeah. I might not have ever really develop the love to want to go full time. So the importance of even seeing that it's for, it's for the youth, like us and your youth situation. It's like it, 50% of this really is for the youth to yeah. get a different world perspective and to serve and to get out of themselves and to like, to do something completely different and test the waters if this could go deeper and, and longer, longer, you know? Yeah. And I also, I appreciated what you said there mainly because, you know, two things, one missionaries need date nights. What? Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> Very. No, just that. I just, I just love that idea because the, I like the, the thing of like, you don't have to, like, if you are connected through our church, like we can come and love on you guys and it doesn't have to be this whole, like we're packing up half the tents on our back and we're smuggling in Bibles in order to like spread the gospel there. But it literally can't just be, Hey, we're going to come down there. We're going to do our own vacation, but for four days, we're going to come visit with you guys. And and love on you and do the work of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there's so many, there's so many different things. Uh, one, one thing I have on my to-do list when we can go to South America is um, in our region, we have other missionaries in Brazil and mm-hmm. uh, we also are starting to some projects and have a new missionary that's going to be reaching the indigenous people uh, in, in the uh, Andes mountains uh, of Peru and so there are every year for, you know, besides the pandemic, uh, this missionary has been inviting people from the United States to come back, grab their backpacks. You hike to these villages up in the Andes and you get to present the gospel to people that may wow. have never heard the gospel message, bring Bibles, bring gifts, clothing, the Jesus, like the Jesus movie or video. So that's that's like a completely different type of, uh, you know, missions trip that's maybe a little more adventurous and really valuable. And then there's other urban type ministries that, that are, you know, encouraging and, and uh, building relationships with nationals, with missionaries. Um, There's, there's so many different things. So that's awesome. Well, I also love the fact that it's, it's not, it doesn't seem too big. Like I've never been out of the country. So as a person who's only done domestic here, stateside, Mm-hmm. Uh, missions approaching it from those two ways makes it feel and seem much more um, bite-sized if you will or much more yeah. approachable yeah. than just that how do y'all thanks for tuning in today um, we're, this is going to be a two-part episode, so please come back, see us next week, and we are going to finish up our conversation with Dave and Beth Roberts. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye now.